As Eric said, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to share with you tonight and really title the message Rhythm and Rest. And I guess the only reason would be these are two words that have really been ruminating with me over probably the last month, uh, probably the last several months actually, because I didn't even really know it was happening. Uh, God had started me on a journey, still has me on a journey. And so as I thought through, a lot of this preparing of the message was just part of that journey of just experiencing. And I'll just start off with just saying, um, one of the things I've realized is that I am an anxious person. Anybody else out there anxious? A few people. Okay, good. Then the Lord has affirmed that this is supposed to happen. So um, we're going to start off in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, if you want to open up to that. We're also going to be jumping back and taking a short journey through the uh, Couple, a few books in the Pentateuch. So if you want to put a, a marker back in Genesis 2, we'll be back there in a little bit too. Um, but as you can see, the, the passage that we're going to start off is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So if you want to stand with me and read that real quick, or if you want to sit down, uh, it's really short, so I don't want to get you guys you know, doing exercises tonight. So, but Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you that uh, you are in control, Lord, from everything, from um, things not working to things working, to the plan for our life that you have, to the plan for our life that we have. Lord, that you are in control, and I thank you for the things that you have been teaching me and showing me, and I trust tonight, Lord, that uh, there's people who are in that same boat, or just that you're going to use your word as it's, as it's taught, as it's explained, as, um, as really tonight you start to use experiences from my life of how you have showed up using experiences, different people, and your word to really um, help me understand what it means when you say you, get, you came that we might have life abundant, Lord. So, uh, I give you this time. I thank you for the opportunity to share with people tonight. And I just pray that you would speak to us tonight, Lord, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start out with kind of just this comparison between the ideal way and then there's a realistic way. What I mean by that is, is the passage that we just read sounds so good. Like, come to me and I will give you rest. And it should. For the words of Jesus are life-giving. But if we are honest, how many of us actually live in that spot? I mean, I've got three small children. Tired and weary and burdened. Got that. But are we really living in a place of, of rest? And so I'd ask yourself, before we get started tonight, take a second and just give an honest assessment. No one's looking into your soul. No one's looking into your life. No one knows what happened 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, or this morning. But is your soul at rest? Are you at rest right now? This is a really hard thing to do. In fact, a lot of times we just spend time finding stuff to do so that we don't ever have to do that. We don't ever want to address that. We don't ever want to admit Maybe if you grew up in the church, you don't want to admit that your soul's at rest because there's verses like this, and I shouldn't feel that way, so no, I'm good. But I found that I wasn't. And so there were lots of different ways uh, through that. 
And, and I'll share some of those as we come in. But I want to start off with a list of, of things. And uh, this is a list that I found. It's called 10 Signs That You Are Moving Too Fast in Life. Now, if my wife is watching this, she has not seen this list before, but she's probably going to kind of be in agreement with all of these. So uh, irritability. Do you find yourself irritable? Are you easily set off? Hypersensitivity. Restlessness. Compulsive overworking. Numbness. Escapist behaviors. If you say no and you have a Netflix account, you are lying. Disconnected from your identity and calling. Not able to attend to human needs, like drinking water. The way I'll put it is, um, the, the staff will agree that this is where I'm at. If you drink coffee as a necessity and not because it tastes good, that's not a good thing. Hoarding energy. And lastly, slippage in spiritual disciplines. I heard it said the hardest way to follow Jesus is to try to continue living like everyone else in the world, everyone around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, the person sit sitting next to you, on top of all that, and then try to follow or try to uh, add being a disciple of Jesus on top of that. Another one of your things on your to-do list. That's the hardest way. And the reason I start with that list is because Jesus didn't come just to change the results of the way that I want to live. He came to teach us a new way to live. And sometimes it calls for radical change. And this is kind of the place that I came to. If you see these things in your life, if you relate to that list or any of the items on that list, um, following Jesus doesn't just mean that I can just continue doing what I want to do and expect that one day I'm going to wake up and, and two plus two is going to be five tomorrow. If you keep working at the pace that you're going, if you keep living the rate of life that you're going, these characteristics are going to be part of your life. So tonight in our time, I wrestled with this a lot, which is really ironic since we're going to talk about rest. <laughs> worked really hard. Every time I came to, to a th time where I thought I was done, um, I was led to just kind of, you know, go back to the beginning, and that's not going to work. So... Where I'm at and where I feel that God is led me to is that, as you've already said, some of us in here are anxious. And my hope is that by me just kind of sharing with you kind of my journey through various experiences, various people that God's brought into my life, and various scriptures that he has directed me to, that, that he'll use that in your life. He'll encourage you. He'll give you hope in that. And so tonight in our time, I just want to share what God has led me so far. And I say so far because from the place that I've been, I'm confident that he's not done. And I hope he's not done. Because the, the change that I've been able to see has been, has been amazing. It's been extremely hard and challenging because uh, we are creatures of habit. When we get into a way of, of life, when we get into a rhythm of life, we don't want to change it. When something's in a rhythm and, and all of a sudden you throw a, you know, a wrench in the gear or something, like it's not a good turnout. It calls for a radical, a radical shift. And so as I thought about and prayed about what to share tonight, that's where, where God brought me. So here we go. Um, over the last few months, God has used some experienced people in specific scriptures. And he's used them to completely reshape my view on rest. And here's how it happened. 
it happened a few months ago and I wasn't even expecting it. But uh, if we got any fishermen in the, in the house, this is, this is where it happened. For the longest time after working a long week uh, here at the church, doing my best to serve Jesus and people, I tried to focus on trying to get caught up on rest when I was home. I had a day off, but let me preface by saying a day off is not rest. It does not equal rest. A day off is the, is the day that you do all the work that you don't get paid to do. So what I meant by rest was usually going home, sitting on the couch, turning on the TV or scrolling endlessly through my phone, watching a game or, or, until I fell asleep. Like I knew I needed rest, so I was like, okay, I just need to slow down, need to rest. I've got you know, a nine-month-old who wakes up all through the night anyways, so let's just sleep when we can. And every time the result was the same. I never felt rested. In fact, I would argue to say I felt even more restless. Then one Sunday afternoon, again after a long day, I had the opportunity to go out fishing with someone from our, from our church. I, I'm not this amazing fisherman. It's not like I, it's more of probably just a, a hobby that I dabble in there, but it's something I grew up doing. It's something that's, that uh, is enjoyable for me. So we got everything ready, drove about an hour or so out to this lake out in the middle of nowhere, got the boat in the water and started out. And it was, it was awesome, it was great. I was expecting what I got at first. You know, we're gonna be out there, we're gonna be casting, retrieving, we're gonna be having this good time, having conversations, talking about Jesus, and it was just great. And about an hour and a half into that fishing trip, I was overwhelmed by this, this sense. And it wasn't like an audible voice or anything, but just this voice, almost me talking to myself, saying, you are completely relaxed right now. And I was doing something. I wasn't just home, zoned out. I wasn't um, just not trying to do work. You know, it's hard. We live in a day of, of laptops and cell phones. Like, you can work from anywhere now. It used to be, you know, if the doors are locked, you, don't, you can't go to work. But now, you just roll over in your bed, turn on your phone, open up your laptop, and you're at the office, and, and you're working. So uh, I tried not to do that at home. It's been always a thing. But, but I, wasn't, I wasn't relaxed before. And for the first time, I was completely relaxed. And I can look back on it now and say, like, okay, here's kind of like step one in this journey. But at the time, it was just kind of like, huh, that's, that's interesting. Maybe I should do this more often. <laughs> but this is the first time that God really got my attention in this area. But sometimes I, um, I don't mean to make it about myself. I just, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, so I'll just admit my own fault. Sometimes I can be a slow learner. So probably the next thing that was in this uh, in sequence of these events was a, a parent-teacher conference that we had with our, our six-year-old. Our six-year-old is in first grade. He's brilliant, love him to death. We, we had a, uh, a conference with his teacher, and everything was going good. She's telling us how Gray's doing really well in the first part of the school year. Everything's going well, and, and then it came. His teacher so innocently asked, so how are things at home? In our home, one of the things that I'm involved in in the morning is, is waking up our son, getting him ready for school, and getting him out the door with the goal of being there on time. Without even thinking twice, which is something that I really need to do, I blurted out, eh, he doesn't really have a sense of urgency in the morning. This has been going, something that's going on for him, a characteristic of him for pretty much forever. He can easily take 20 minutes to eat a breakfast that consists of like two half pieces of toast. You have a child like mine, I can tell. But I am continually learning that he has a God-given different way of viewing life than me. 
God knows what you and I need, and he puts certain things in our life so that he can show us those things. So an example of this, I'm going to break from the parent-teacher conference for a little bit. The other morning on our way to school, in order to use an example, as I, I tend to have countless, and have a dad teaching moment in the car, right? Dad's going dad's to help you out. I said, Gray, what would happen if you were putting together one of your really big Lego sets, and every time after you put one piece on, you took a break and went and did something else? How long do you think that it would take you to finish? There was a short pause, and then without a whole lot of thought, he very thoughtfully responded, about a month. I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one in the room who thinks that. Like, that's not a big deal or a problem at all. Uh, if there was a camera in the car at that moment, I'm pretty sure my jaw hit the floor, and I was like... But I share that, and then we go back to the parent-teacher conference. I brought up this characteristic with an assumption that my son needs to get his act together. And so, you know, teacher, if we can work together on creating some principles, some consequences, et cetera, like, that'd be great. And I really hope that I never forget what her actual response was. She simply said that this quality was such a gift that most of us, including her own children, are so frantic and running around that they are constantly making silly mistakes, forgetting things, and just stepping over each other. They've got such a burden that they're carrying around. They're so anxious for everything. And in that moment with, with, with Gray's teacher, it hit me so clear that I don't even realize how much of a rush I am in all the time. Side note, which my wife had very graciously mentioned to me several times before. So to summarize, these first two stories, uh, no real rest, and in a hurry all the time. This led me to start questioning, where's all my time going? Why am I in a rush so much? And while this message is not sponsored by Apple or the iPhone, <laughs> I have to thank them for this. Shortly afterwards, I got a notification on my phone in the middle of the day. It said something to the effect of screen time use for the week. You can't see that. If you've got an iPhone, or if you know somebody who has an iPhone, this is a fun game. Um, that's where all the time went. You can see there, we've got three hours and 45 minutes per day. Um, that's 34% down from last week, so we got some improvement. Uh, this first notification came about probably three weeks ago. And so you can kind of see how we've got progress, but you just see, again, the office is in your pocket. You can wake up with the intention of spending time with Jesus in the morning. And if you make one mistake of looking at your phone to the endless amount of notifications that are there or make a really big mistake of opening up your email, it will completely set off your day and it will lead you down a rabbit trail, and before you know it, that, that time is gone. And so I saw that after I'm wondering, where's my time going, and said, thank you, Lord, for that answer. <laughs> so this is kind of where we're gonna stay for, uh, for a little bit. These different 
events, these different things, God started really just kind of prompting on my heart for a change. And something that I'd never done before. You may have heard about it before. Maybe you have done it before. Maybe you've never done it before. But the idea we're talking about is practicing the Sabbath. The result was an intentional decision to implement a Sabbath, a day of rest, into my life. Before this time, I've never spent much time thinking about the Sabbath. You know, we spend most of our time in different parts of the Bible. We spend more time on a lot of things like Jesus came to, to fulfill the law, and so we don't, need to, we don't need to really worry about that. I've never really spent a lot of time on that and certainly hadn't tried to integrate it into my life. But sometimes God just softly speaks to you and I and says, are you done trying to be in charge? Are you ready to try something different? Are you try, ready, ready to try a, a, my way? And so here's what I mean. There's three passages. If you open back into Genesis 2, there's three passages that we're going to go through that, that God will just point it out to me. We'll start with saying, like, Sabbath is rest. That's what we're talking about. That's what it, that's what it means. Back in Genesis 2 is the first time that we ever hear the word Sabbath. Verses 1 and 2 say, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right here in the beginning of the Bible, in the very beginning, God establishes a rhythm of creation. Six days of work, one day of rest. God made the seventh day holy. He set it apart from all the other ones. It's like he knows how things are supposed to function. So here we have it. The, the seventh day is blessed because God made a holy and God rested. Jump over to Exodus, the second passage we're going to be in. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. We're probably familiar with this at some point. We're talking about the Ten Commandments here. So here we have the seventh day created in Genesis. Here we have another, another thing happening. This is after God has, has chosen a people, Israel, and he's saved them. And now he's going to give them a covenant law. He's going to say, this is what it looks like to be somebody who's been saved by God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. Here it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So again, he points back to this same rhythm that we find in Genesis. But this time, the people of Israel are given the command to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember it. Remember that, that, that God rested on the seventh day. Remember that. Don't forget it. So if we jump, I had a couple more books to Deuteronomy. And this will be our, our last stop on, on our, our Old Testament journey. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 says this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
on it, you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. If you kind of have your finger in both those passages and you just kind of look at both of those at the same time, for the most part, they look really similar until you get to the end. Before in Exodus, we have the reason of because God rested on the seventh day, he made it holy, therefore keep it, remember it. Here it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And again, the Exodus passage was shortly after God had saved Israel. This is 40-something years later. Those guys, kids, they've either never heard about it or, or it's, it's gotten lost somehow. And so the reminder is to remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This was a pretty big punch in the gut for me. Not because I'm an Israelite, not that I've been in the same order of slavery, but we'll see why. Remember that you were slaves. When Israel was in slavery to Egypt, there was no rest. When you're a slave, there is no rest. There's only work. There's hard work. There's more work. If you want to go through, uh, or if you want to dig deeper into this, if you go through Exodus, you can see the demand that they had on them. Anytime there was a request for rest, that it was said, you're, you're lazy, do more work, work harder. Pharaoh and the Egyptian economy were demanding and relentless. So the command here is to remember that they were slaves. Observe the Sabbath day as a reminder of whose rule you were under before and who saved you. Don't forget, don't ever go back there. So like I said, I'm not, I'm not an Israelite. I didn't experience you know, the parting of the Red Sea or any of these things. So what about us here tonight? You and I are not under Egyptian rule. But then there's that word slave. If you're familiar with the New Testament, you can see the correlation of, no, you're not a slave in Egypt. But before Jesus, you and I were slaves to sin. Slaves don't get any rest. I'm not a slave anymore. But by living in a lifestyle that didn't include rest, that didn't have time set apart for rest and worship, to just enjoy the things that God has so graciously given me, to enjoy the family, to enjoy my wife, to enjoy what we have, to enjoy just God. I'm not living like a free person. I'm living like a slave. And it may be just in the culture that we are today and you hear the different terminology of slave being used, that that's a very, very bold, harsh word. Like no one wants to be called that. No one wants to be known as that. And maybe that's the thing that God used to get me, but, but there it was. There's, there's a rhythm that God has created. And by setting aside time to rest, we're remembering that. We're remembering who God is. We're remembering who we are. 
all of the world tells us that you need more, you gotta do more, you can't quit. There's an endless news feed on your phone. There's endless everything. There's, there's just, there's, we're inundated with information. Setting aside a time to rest goes against all that. And so I wanna be clear, uh, partially from my, my own upbringing, my goal in, in, as I felt God's leading, my goal in setting aside a day to just rest is not to obtain righteousness. That's legalism. That's a burden that will fail every time. If that's your goal, it's not gonna work. My goal is rest, regular rest. And it's not something that will just happen. You kind of have to, to make an intentional decision to do it, to remember that you aren't a slave anymore. Remember that I'm not a slave anymore. Remember we're free people. Remember God has saved us. And so the next section, I'm just kind of showing the way of rest. And if you've got your finger back in Matthew, we're going to kind of go back to that passage, this passage that we started with, because it's not just one time. It's not an observe one set apart set of, of rest. You know, it's kind of like power napping. You know, I'll take one, and then I'll get me through the next seven days. It's not that. It really is this other word that we started with. Rest is part of it. Rhythm is also a part. So in tonight's passage, we read, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One pastor that I was, I was listening to and, and read a book by kind of summarizes this verse this way. It is as if Jesus is saying, come over here alongside of me. Let me carry the load. Walk with me and learn my way and you will find rest for your souls. And I think we have an image. The, the, the projection team back there thought it was a mistake because there's like, oh, there's some oxen on your presentation. But this, it's probably a combination of this journey through learning how to rest, what it means to rest. This picture is absolutely beautiful to me. And, and hopefully I can explain to you why and, and maybe you'll get some meaning out of it. If, if not, it's just a picture of some oxen. But this is two oxen, and what's on top of them is a yoke. And the way that this pastor phrased this was basically, if you look at that yoke, and not to get too um, metaphorical here, but there's, there's two people there. So if Jesus is saying, get in under here with me, these two guys are working together. Come on over here alongside of me. Let me carry the load. Walk with me and learn my way, and you will find rest for your souls. So there's a few keys that I want to point out about the yoke, which, um, you know, as Eric said, uh, I, I deal with a lot of the communications and graphics here, and so uh, pictures are, are just a way of basically something tangible. I mean, sometimes as, you, as we're going through, as we're trying to grow deeper in our walk, it's like having this big, big cup, or, or we just need a handle to grab onto. Like, I need something tangible that I can take away from me and say, okay, I get that. Now I know, now I know what you're talking about. Now I can, I can go do that. And so 
Uh, as you can see, this, this is a yoke. It's a device for joining together a pair of draft animals, especially oxen, usually consisting of a cross piece with two bow-shaped pieces, each enclosing the head of an animal. Exactly what we're seeing here. In our verse, there's two adjectives that are used. There's gentle and humble in heart. Gentle. If one animal is not gentle, there can be great pain caused to the other one. They're linked together. And, and let me just say, you don't put a yoke on small animals. Like if you've got a, a small dog or, or something like that, you don't need that. You put a yoke on something because of the potential of the power involved. So Jesus is king. He is Lord. He's powerful. And he is gentle when you come to him. He doesn't ask you to come in, get alongside of him so that he can just, you know, just drag you or, or jerk you all over the place. He's gentle. The next adjective, humble in heart. One translation I read said lowly in heart. And, and um, that's another, another great one. The reason I like lowly is just because you can see the, the position of the head of the animal. When an ox is under a yoke, their head's not up and they're not looking around or whatever. If they do that, the yoke falls off. But the ox is not proud. It does not need a pat on the back or to be told how great he is doing. It's only doing its duty. Jesus did not need the praise of man. This is different to you and me, especially when we try to start some type of new discipline or something like this, it's kind of, ah, oh, see, look how, look how good I'm doing. But Jesus did not need the praise of man. He came to do the will of his Father. And so the keys about the yoke, being gentle, being humble, and then there's this other word that we started with, and that is rhythm. Some of you may know, um, I've, I've played music for, for several years, and rhythm is usually something that you hear of when you think of music. Um, if you are looking to join our music team, Eric will probably ask you, do you have rhythm? If the answer is no, he will probably encourage you to and get involved in another ministry. But rhythm's important. And it's not just pertaining to music. Think of the different rhythms that are important. Your heart beats at a rhythm. Rhythm is defined as a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Something that happens again, and there's, there's a distinguishable feature that you can know that's going on. There's a rhythm to your, your car engine. This is a good thing. If there's not a rhythm, you've got a problem. So having rhythm is, is a really good thing. And if we can think back to that picture, when those two animals are yoked together, rhythm is extremely important. There's a working relationship with those two animals that are yoked together. And the crazy thing is, is that the work actually becomes easier for both of them when they're in step working at the same pace. And this is what I mean when I say that picture is, is so beautiful, especially as an anxious person. One, how many of you have ever seen a yoke of oxen sprinting down the road? No. It doesn't. You've got these two large, powerful animals, and they are moving graciously when they are in rhythm. 
and if you look behind and see what it is that they're carrying or the work that they're doing, it is absolutely amazing. And so the reason that I think that's really beautiful as, as it pertains to this whole journey is because you start to realize that sometimes when you're feeling anxious, when you feel like I gotta get all this stuff down, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, it's because you're out of rhythm with Jesus. He's gentle. And so if you are saying, I'm gonna sit here and I'm not gonna do anything, you're that part of, of the yoke that just lays down, he's not gonna drag you. He's patient, he's gentle. If you try to run ahead, as I've so often done, you're so busy, I got all my to-do lists, I got all my things to do. Someone once described being, uh, working at a, at a church as, as having a never-ending to-do list that just keeps on growing. You're always gonna have stuff to do, always. We have limits. God created us with limits. I think that's one of the reasons that he gave us this example of setting apart a time to rest. And it's really kind of crazy to me that, that all of us here would agree you can't work 24-7. We just know we can't. But how many of us here try to get as close to it as we can and still function? So if you're sitting here tonight and you are an anxious person, some of you, you know, seem to, to relate to what we're talking about tonight. You, maybe you've related to a lot of the things, a lot of things that I've shared and just this mindset of just, you've always got to be somewhere. You know, my, my saying that I is, is, you know, we've only got five minutes left and we go out the door. And then as we leave 20 minutes later, my son says, dad, we're only 10 minutes late. Yes, son. Yes, we are. So if you're that anxious person, I guess my encouragement to you, as God has encouraged me, is to slow down. The only way to truly find rest is to be in that same rhythm with Jesus. Too many times I'm running so far ahead, doing my plan, doing my work for Jesus, getting ready, prepping everything for the week, and then I look around and I wonder, like, where's Jesus? And we laugh. But it's so true. And so if you're not an anxious person, I just trust that God is searching your heart and showing you, maybe you already know, but he's showing you ways where you're, you're out of rhythm. He's, he's calling you to do something that you're not doing. You're doing something that he hasn't called you to do. And it may be that he's even calling you to do something radical. He's calling you to change something. We are very much creatures of habit, and once we, we get into a, a set pace, good luck trying to get us out. But he has given us a way out if we'll come to him, if we'll learn from him, if we will learn that he is gentle, that he is humble, we will learn his way. He tells us we'll find rest. And so at the beginning of the night, I said, you know, this is the journey so far. Um, I don't think it's over by any means. 
partly because I'm still breathing. But here's some of the things that have happened. There hasn't been a long time as it's been something where it's like, how do you, how do, you do that? Because honestly, um, it's really easy to go backwards in this. If you just say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside a certain time for rest. I'm going to set aside a day for rest. It's really easy for that just to become another thing that we've got to do, and it becomes something which the Pharisees later turned into. It becomes more about what you can't do rather than life-giving, rather than remembering who God is, taking time to, to rest and worship and enjoy. But I will tell you, that in the short amount of time that, that we as a family have, have tried to implement this by changing my schedule, by changing my wife's schedule, by trying to, I mean, our kids are in, one of our kids is in school, you, you can't really change their schedule, you kind of have to adapt to it. But what I have found is just more of an enjoyment. When you slow down to see the beauty or, or see Jesus in things like a picture when you start to enjoy your kids rather than being so frustrated that your kid doesn't operate at the same pace that you do, rather than being so frustrated that, that your spouse doesn't see things the way that you do because you're right, you start to see the things. Look for the things in, in your life that God's putting in your life to show you how to live his rhythm. He's sovereign. And if you really want to know, if you really want to know the areas in your life, the things that you need to see, where you need to make a change, where you need to say, um, I've trusted you as Lord of my life, but I haven't trusted you as Lord of this area. Then as we continue, as we do each week, uh, I just encourage you to take this time. There's going to be a, a time for a couple of songs. And you can sing if you want. You can sit, you can stand. But if, if that's you, if you something, if you've reached a, a plateau spiritually, you're just thinking like, God, I'm reading, I'm doing this, but I just, I still feel anxious, restless. I read these words and, and I just can't honestly say that I experience them as a reality in my life. Then I encourage you to ask him. Ask him to show you. What is it? And then my question is, are you willing to change? Because as I said near the beginning, it's not easy. If you've established a regular way of life that we're used to, and honestly that our culture, that the world is used to, they don't have any problems. You know, we mentioned, mentioned Apple and iPhones. They do not have a problem if you have a desire and an urgency to buy the newest phone that they come out with. That's why they come out with one every year. It's not because yours doesn't work anymore. It's because we're surrounded by this desire to, to have more, to have the lace. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. And what I found is that the things that I felt that I had to do were not things that God was calling me to do. And the things that God was actually calling me to do are the things that I was neglecting. And that is what led to the long list of things, the irritability, the hypersensitivity, the, all these different things that I'm not proud to share and I only share because I hope that if this is you, you don't feel alone. We're all made in God's image. 
We have a lot of potential because of who he has made us to be. But we also have limits. Our greatest potential comes when we are submitted to him, we're in rhythm with him, when we are resting in him. And I don't want to miss out on another opportunity tonight. If there's anybody here who hasn't even said yes to Jesus' call to come alongside of me, that's the first change that needs to happen. And if that's you, if you've never done that, if you, are, if you aren't even on that journey of learning and walking the rhythm of Jesus, you can start tonight. You're surrounded by a lot of people who love Jesus, who know Jesus. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again and then tell somebody about it. So again, we're going to continue on here in a few moments. I also encourage you just to reflect and respond. If God has spoken to you about anything tonight, one of the biggest things that I did for so long is when God prompts you to make a change, you don't make a change. You're like, nah, I'm, I'm good. That was encouraging. That was good. I took some good notes, but I'm not actually going to change anything that I'm doing. And what happens as you do that over a period of time is you start to become calloused. You start to not even hear when God's prompted you to make a change anymore. Not because he's not listening, but it's because we're just so focused on where we're going that we're not attuned to it. So uh, I'm going to pray. Eric's going to come up. He's going to lead us in the time. And uh, let's just take this time to, to thank God, to worship God, to rest in him, and respond to him. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you are so patient with us. I thank you that you use every aspect of the things going on around us if we're just willing to stop and listen to you. And so I thank you so much for these people coming here tonight. And thank you so much for, for speaking to each one of us. God, not because of what I have to say, oh Lord, but because they're here to meet with you. Lord, they came here to, to hear from you. And so I trust that you have, have called to things. If you're calling us to rest more, Lord, would you give us the, the strength and the courage to trust you? Lord, and to continue to learn to practice the way of Jesus. We thank you. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.